Waiting on a tax return? Hopefully it ends up in your hands. Fraudulent tax returns due to identity theft increased by 30% in 2023. If you're in a bind this tax season, LifeLock can help. Our U.S.-based restoration specialists are experts dedicated to helping solve your identity theft issues. And all LifeLock plans are backed by the Million Dollar Protection Package. So we'll reimburse you up to the limits of your plan if you lose money due to identity theft. Help protect your information this tax season with LifeLock. Save up to 25% your first year at LifeLock.com slash aware. Agenda one, one. If you own a vehicle with less than 200,000 miles and have an auto warranty about to expire or no warranty coverage at all, listen up. CarShield has a low-cost, month-to-month vehicle protection plan that covers more parts than ever. Visit carshield.com audio to find out how you could pay almost nothing for covered auto repairs. Drivers who activate this vehicle protection today will also receive free roadside assistance, free towing, and car rental options at no additional cost. Get your free quote today at carshield.com audio. That's carshield.com audio. If you only have a 401k, you're not getting the most for retirement. Wait, what? Add a Robinhood IRA on top, then they'll boost it by 3%. You can do that? And if you transfer in any retirement account, you get 3% on top of that. Is there a limit to the match? No limit. Robinhood Gold gets you the biggest contribution match of any IRA on the market. Sign up for Robinhood Gold at Robinhood.com boost by April 30th. Subscription fees apply. Investing involves risk. 3% match requires gold for one year from first match. Must keep IRA for five years. Match on transfers subject to additional terms and conditions. Robinhood Financial LLC, member SIPC. Escuchas ese rugido Sientes la experiencia de poder La emoción de la libertad Ya estás preparado Para vivir tu nueva aventura Nueva Ram 1500 Hecha para vivir Ram es una marca registrada de FCA US LLC if the vice president is a mere advisor, he is a mere agent, then even my question is this. How come that in 2016, Dr. Bawumia directed 170 questions at then vice president and chairman of the economic management team, Pakwesia Misata? Pakwesia Misata, was he a principal? Wasn't he a mere agent of John Mahama? Per their logic, per this, this logic they advancing? So how come that Bawobia did not direct his so-called one-to-digital questions at Mahama, the principal, but directed it at Park with C.M. Because he knows that even though the president has ultimate responsibility, he has delegated the management of the economy to the vice who chairs the economic management team. And therefore, that vice president bears direct responsibility for the economy. This is simple. No amount of subterfuge can exculpate Baumia from responsibility. You, 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 you say the, that committee bears direct responsibility for the economy. Is that really factual? Because they still have to go to par, uh, cabinet, and in cabinet, the president has a final say. No, but but Baumia is a member of cabinet. He's yeah, the he is a member or the vice chair of cabinet. All the members of the economic management in the finance minister the agric minister the trade minister all of them they are members of cabinet yeah but they are members they don't have and the they final are the, say they are in the majority in cabinet but they don't so have the final say look at their number check the number of the economic management it's not about number it's not about number they are the majority in cabinet but that, that's not that's not what the issue is about who takes the final decision is the president my brother if the president takes a decision that decision binds the vice president if then baromia should not even have agreed to be the running mate of, by agreeing to be the running mate of somebody and being on the same ticket of the, that person, it means that you are submitting to the vision and leadership of that person. His successes are your successes. His failures are your failures. This is simple. What can they understand about this? Because of electoral votes today, Baromia wants to abandon the Kufuado, stigmatizing, ostracizing. Really? Really? Has he forgotten that it was a Kufuado who picked him from a place of oblivion? and brought him into prominence? Has he forgotten what the Kufuado has done for him? I mean, Sammy Devi, do, 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 that do. the told Genies that the sole reason why he made him running mate was because he was a renowned economist who had the magic one to transform the economy? Oh, when the Kufuado was giving you credit in the 2018 sooner for transforming the economy, you were happy, applauding, smiling. Go and watch the video. Today, the economy is in a state of kumatus. So you want the Kufuado to take all the blame for the mess when you have the direct responsibility for managing the economy. The finance minister is under you. He's a member 
of the ENC. I mean, Sammy, Sammy, just, just a second. Just a second, Sammy. Did I just hear you defend the president, none other than Kwakufuado? Not defend. No, but now Kwakufuado is looking like a lonely old man. I, I, I'm just feeling pity for him. That this is the time that his vice president, who he entrusted with the management of the economy, has to stand by him and say, look, we take collective responsibility. We have failed. We could have done things better. We have failed. Now the vice president says, no, 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 no. As for the credit, it is mine. But as for the blame, it is solely that of a Kufuado. Come on, what kind of fucking I mean, ungrateful story is this? Tiakabiru. Yeah, I think, I think this is not what the vice president is portraying. And to uh, simplify that and to trivialize that, to say that the vice president is running away from the records of the NPC is to not to be, not be factual. The vice president defended, and the first part of his speech was basically to defend the records of the NTP and to say that our worst performance was your best performance, and that if you want, <laughs> we can go to the data, we can go to the numbers and argue about that. And even in any case, Mr. Stavridjanti is speaking, and I mean, seriously, so for a man, he wants to come, but who has had the ultimate responsibility as the president and failed the people of Ghana and was booted out. He is now coming back to defend such a man to say that such a man. He'd rather be given an opportunity over a man who was not given opportunity as a person. Come on. That would be the greatest injustice the Ghanaian people would do in terms of when you want to be fair to the past and to the issue. Because Mr. Mahmoud had the opportunity to be president. Now he cannot even apportion blame. When he was vice president, he had the same excuse that Mr. Mahmoud had. As a vice president, he had the same excuse that he was the driver's mate. He was the, he was the vice president. He was what prevents Mr. Kouya from using that same excuse? Okay, so for me, the NDC should not be talking about Dr. Kouya having them making the point very soon that he was only the right, he was only the vice president to the president. In any case, when you come to think of even the, the failure of this government, you can actually you can explain them away. Some of them you may not have explanation for. The government will take ultimate responsibility. But Mr. Jamsi should know that. Look, the fact of the matter are. One, Mr. Mahamau has been a president. When he was vice president, he gave us an excuse that he was vice president, and right also the constitution didn't give him the mandate. As the act you have given him as a president, we gave him the opportunity. He served. Ghanaians assessed him. He failed. Dr. Baumia is coming to say that on the same yardstick that the people of Ghana gave John Mahamau an opportunity to show how different he would be from Mr. John Atemno. I need the same opportunity to prove the people of Ghana that I have my own vision, I am, a, I am a, my own man, and I can do things differently. Basically, this is what he's asking for. Mm. Thank you. Thank you very much, gentlemen. Thank you. Uh, just run out of time on this. This debate definitely will continue, and I see many of you joining us with your thoughts also. Sami Jemfi is the National Communications uh, Officer of the NDC, uh, Dr. Tia Kabiru Mahama, is the Economic Advisor to the Vice President. What is your verdict? on that very controversial question. Is he just a driver's mate? Still ahead. Tonight, proper family values bill now a step away from passage as parliament concludes consideration stage, but majority and minority remain divided over calls to remove all custodial sentences from the bill as the majority warns the bill will not achieve the desired results in its current state. That is the real danger to our society, and that's why that punishment is even higher. So, Mr. Speaker, we stand by the minimum three years, maximum five years. Should a person go to the prison, he would come back wet up. In the evening, the police officer told me that, counsel, if we send your client to Accra in Chief or Mumbedim to Details as Amnesty International threatens court action if Parliament goes ahead to pass the bill go through the courts to challenge the bill um, I believe that is the right thing for us to do the right approach um, we are all citizens of Ghana if we don't agree with something we can always go to court and challenge we have details of a report of a possible impact of the bill on the economy. Also, February 13, demonstration by organized labor still on as they refuse to dialogue with the finance minister until he completely withdraws and not just suspend directive to charge 15% VAT on electricity. And that is different from when you say withdraw. I don't think we are even going to have a discussion on this. We will object it. That's it is not about suspension, but it is about total withdrawal. 
but governments insist on engaging labor to explore alternative revenue measures to plug the shortfall. And they expect that those consultations will yield other measures. They are going to have to find a way to answer that question. Meanwhile, brace yourself for alternative public transport as the Ghana Private Road Transport Union announces its readiness to join the nationwide protest as well. An office of the vice president fights off claims Dr. Mahmoud Baumia should have resigned after his advice on key economic policies, including emission and betting tax, was rejected by the president, explaining he stayed to offer alternative proposals. You understand? So don't let us speak to boss people to a corner that why did you offer a position? and it was not taken, and you should leave. That should not be the practical way to go. And in business, Ghana saves a little over $1.2 billion since it started commercial production of crude oil in commercial quantities. And in sports, over 500 coaches express interest in the vacant Black Stars coaching job. We'll tell you more as the search committee readies to interview shortlisted candidates. And much later, the Asantehene Otunfo say to the second says he's brought the spirit and soul of Ashanti back after he received more artifacts looted from Kumasi about 150 years ago at the Menshia Palace by the slave masters and taking abroad. For us, they are not just regular arts. If they don't have the spiritual essence, how would they be taken away? But in 150 years, it will come back to its original source. The power in this is not the regular arts. It is something deeper than that. And let's start uh, from Parliament where the anti-gay bill is back on the agenda and the controversy around that is still raging. It's now a step away from passage as Parliament has concluded the consideration state today. But majority and minority remain divided over whether or not to remove all custodial sentences from the bill. The bill provides a range of sentencing including five-year jail terms for persons who engage or promote LGBTQI plus activities. Deputy Majority Leader Alexander Afenyo Marking insists that in jail there are so many who are sodomized and put and putting people in jail for LGBTQ activities will not reform them but leave them worse off. He advocates for fines instead. The sponsors invite us to acknowledge this, that the object of the bill is to provide for proper human sexual rights and Ghanaian family values. Mr. Speaker, in coming to this floor with this amendment, I've read the two holy books which we are most familiar with, the Quran and the Bible. These two books of prominence talks, talk about forgiveness, talk about reform. Mr. Speaker, if we insist on custodial sentence because a man, a Ghanaian, a citizen, or an individual within this jurisdiction has breached our proper human value system and family system. What do we want to do? To reform or to destroy? That's the Deputy Majority Leader, Alexander Afenyo marking there. Well, Chairman of Parliament's Constitutional and Legal Affairs Committee, Kwame Anyume Duenchi, backed this position. Nothing, especially when the memorandum and the aim and the principles of this bill does not support the fact that we need to punish the person by imprisoning the person. If the person is imprisoned, we do not get a chance to reform the person. Especially, Mr. Speaker, may I have your protection? Honorable Kwame Abuja will not allow me to. If we have gotten to a level where nobody can say anything contrary apart from what they have proposed, then, Mr. Speaker, we shouldn't but be. I am listening to you. So Mr. Please. Speaker, so it is very important that, and I remember that the Catholic Bishop Conference, when they were before us, when we did the public hearing, one of the things that the, the pastor said was that God loves the doer of the act, but God hates the act. I then proceeded to ask, my Lord, so what do, you, do we do? Do we imprison the person? Then I said that I am not a member of parliament. You are members of parliament. So we leave the discretion to you to make your discretion. Mr. Speaker, this is the time. Is it the case that we have to put the person in prison and what do we gain when the person is imprisoned? Statistics have shown that there's so dummy that we want to present, to, to prevent. It's even practiced more when the person is put into prison. So why do we 
incarcerate the person into prison when we can get other, for instance, the community sentence that my friend proposes, for instance. If he's doing the community service and every person, any person sees him and is asked what he did and is being allowed to do the community service, it's even more severe than sending the person to prison. So I will support the fact that if we can do away, and my friend made the proposal that this is not only on clause 14, we must as well, it must be consequential on clause 13 and clause 12 as well. That it must be consequential that we have to do away with custodial sentence. Parliamentary correspondent Kweku Asante is on the line with us now. Kweku, how did the minority side respond to this? Well, Evans, we first heard from Mohamed Moun, who is the MP for Asawasi. He made some really good points to contradict the points that have been made by the majority side by arguing that there will be the, the, the law that Parliament is currently considering will be useless if it does not come with custodial sentences. As my colleague, the deputy majority leader, if we want to choose community service, what will be the guideline? There's no any guideline to that. And all of us know, until we have a guideline that will guide how community service is done, any attempt to align this to community service is like saying that the person should get away with it. But this argument about custodial sentence and not, not to, the intention is not to uh, uh, imprison anybody or punish anybody through custodial sentence. The speaker is absolutely non-starter. Why am I saying that? When someone steals, our rule says that depending on what the person steals, there's a custodial sentence commensurate with the crime. It is not because the state hates that person. I don't think the state hates that person who steals. That's why we are imprisoning that person. So, Mr. Speaker, we, in my view, we must try as much as possible to be realistic and not to create the impression as if, oh, one group of persons wants to create a law that is not heard anywhere apart from this country. Because once people commit crime, they need to be punished. Well, the lead sponsor of the bill did not want to hear any of these proposals. But we've been hearing from Amnesty International, also that human rights advocacy group, and they say the provisions in the bill, including the custodial sentence, remains problematic. Ghana's country director, Genevieve Patinton, say they will resort to legal action if parliament goes ahead to pass the bill. Go through the courts to challenge the bill. Um, I believe that is the right thing for us to do, the right approach. Um, we are all citizens of Ghana. If we don't agree with something, we can always go to court and challenge it. Well, that's uh, Genevieve Patentin, the country director uh, for Amnesty International. And we've in recent times heard the position of a number of diplomats, including the U.S. ambassador to Ghana, Virginia Palmer, who recently stated uh, categorically that she will not be able to sell Ghanaian business to the global market or convince other businesses to come to Ghana. While another group, Open for Business Coalition, is also reiterating concerns over the impact of the bill on Ghana's economy and business sector. James Aveji um, has a copy of that um, and joins us in studio. What are the specific areas of the economy? Uh, the statement refers to or the, the report. MFA, so, uh, for instance, they talk about the fact that if this is passed, it will actually affect tourism in domestic tourism. Uh, they come out with some figures that, uh, from their research, approximately over 51% of US and UK. Uh, citizens who want to go on tourism come to Africa and so if this bill is passed it will affect uh, domestic tourism. They also uh, reiterated that point that uh, if this is passed, uh, businesses outside of Ghana who are already operating in the country may be packing away or those who want to uh, come start in Ghana would also uh, resign that decision to come operate in the country and so uh, those and others are what they are saying in conclusion they point out the fact that uh, it behoves on the republic of ghana as the constitution says in article 6 uh, chapter 6 article 35 uh, that the state shall take all necessary actions to ensure that the national economy is managed in such a manner as to maximize the rate of economic development and to secure the maximum welfare, freedom, and happiness of every person in Ghana. And so that is their point. Uh, 
Thank you very much, James Abaji. Let's bring in uh, Sam George now. Uh, he's a lead sponsor of the bill. Uh, he's been on the floor today on the subject of uh, custodial sentencing or non-custodial sentencing. And uh, Sam George, you maintain that you insist we should have three, a lower limit of three and upper limit of five years for anybody found guilty. Why? Well, Evan, that is not what the conversation was about. And the Honorable Afenio Markin led the House on a wild goose chase. He was engaged in filibustering. We were dealing with Clause 17 of the bill today. Clause 17 of the bill doesn't talk about anybody engaged in homosexuality. 17 of the bill talks about persons who promote, sponsor, or fund homosexual activities or groups looking to promote homosexuality. And so his entire submission, for want of a better phrase, was of no substance and subsequent. Because when he was talking about reform and rehabilitate and all of that, for, I mean, it was, it lacked any intellectual argument. Because we were talking about persons who were to fund or, or sponsor LGBTQ activities. And so the Honorable Mahama Yarida made that point. And it appeared, it became clear to the House that for almost 45 minutes, the Honorable had engaged in an exercise of intellectual dishonesty. But, but the chairman of the committee, the committee that is superintending over the, uh, this particular bill, and you may do it, he supported that position. The chairman himself is in sixes and nines when it comes to the facts of this bill. Because when Yarida pointed out that we're not discussing persons involved in the act, the chairman had his face, he had, he had eggs on his faces, on his face, because we, here we were talking about people funding, and you see, look at the intellect and logic that they were espousing, that we should scrap the jail sentence and rather introduce a punishment of 50 penalty units. 50 penalty units is equal to 300 Ghana cities. So the, the intelligence of the chairman and the deputy majority leader was that for people who are funding and sponsoring homosexual activity in Ghana and groups, when you find them guilty, find them 300 cities. Then why are we having the bill? Well, but the fundamental point is about the destruction that this will inflict on people. Do you, you, you want to reform them or you want to destroy them? Why would I want to reform somebody who willfully is funding an illegal activity? Los mejores viajes nacen en la carretera, pero este comenzará en tu mente. ¿Escuchas ese rugido? ¿Sientes la experiencia de poder? ¿La emoción de la libertad? Ya estás preparado para vivir tu nueva aventura. Nueva Ram 1500, hecha para vivir. Ram es una marca registrada de FCA US LLC. That's that, that the reform is the entire point of of the reform. Reform system, is right? focused on the persons engaged in the activity, and when you look at that, we introduce a fine there, and then for repeat offenders, or depending on the gravity of the offense, a jail sentence of minimum six months maximum three years so that tells you that our focus is on the persons who are looking to lure people in or entice people into it so people caught in the act can actually be given a sign if they are first time offender depending on the discretion of the judge and the court the maximum sentence if you are caught in the act is three years even if the judge wants to give you the minimum six months but for anybody who decides that this thing has been made an illegal activity, but still decides that they want to engage in the sponsorship of an illegal activity with their resources, why should we give the person a fine? This, because the person has money and is pushing illegality. This objection that was raised today by Fonya Marking, supported by Anjimu Dentri. And it was put away by Parliament. Well, so Parliament nonetheless went ahead, completed the, the consideration stage. Because Parliament deals with intellectual argument. There was no intellectual argument, argument in the arguments that were, that were espoused as, by both Afenu and the chairman. As it stands now, um, with what has happened today, when do you now anticipate that at least to come to a floor, at, at least for a vote, or get it passed? 
once again, like we said, we hope that before the end of this meeting, we will pass it because we're done with consideration. However, we need to have the drafting office clean it up and then bring it back. And then we will go through the third reading. It could be any time. But again, for me, I can't keep a timeline because it's at the discretion of Mr. Speaker. But I am confident that before this meeting will arrive on the 22nd of March, we will pass the bill. Sam Jones, thank you very much. Head to the Labour front now, and uh, tonight we will not dialogue. That's the response of Labour unions as they reject Finance Minister's call to negotiate, insisting they will hit the streets on Tuesday if government does not withdraw rather than suspend the directive to charge 15% VAT on electricity. Well, the Finance Ministry, we know last night, said it had suspended um, or the implementation of the tax to pave way for negotiations with government. The Finance Ministry believes the suspension of the tax and further engagement with stakeholders will prefer a way forward. Information Minister Kujo Ponkruma insists they must dialogue to find alternative measures to plug the revenue shortfall. If you read the finance ministry statement, it says in that same statement that they are suspending implementation and they are going to do some uh, further consultations and they expect that those consultations will yield other measures that they can achieve the same fiscal, uh, 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 may I say, program that they have put in place. So it's not a fair complete that they have suspended it and that's the end of the matter. They are going to have to find a way to answer that question. President Akufuado's government has to find a way to answer that question and the finance minister uh, uh, who is uh, responsible for fiscal policy having put out that statement even included that in the statement. Mm-hmm. But Labour remains steadfast in their demand for a cancellation of the tax, rejecting any plan by government to negotiate. Vice President of the Trade Union Congress, Ken Kudia, spoke on Newsdesk. We are yet to receive an official letter from the Ministry of Finance withdrawing their position. We are hopeful that before close of day today, maybe they will they release a letter to us. But as of now, uh, we don't have any such, such confirmation. Organised Labour is very resolved that anything that will bring hardship or tend to affect the living condition of the worker or the Ghanaian populace in general, we will object it. There are other other ways that government can raise money to supplement the, the budget, but not forms that will bring hardship to the poor worker. Organized labor is likely to meet tomorrow if we receive a letter from the Ministry of Finance withdrawing the 15%. And until we receive that, that letter, we are resolved on the path we want to take in the demonstration. Uh, like I said, I'm hoping that that letter will come today. But we are resolved. The, the appetite for, for strike is very ripe. And we don't want to go that path. We want to engage and resolve all the issues pending. Uh, guess who's joining us right now? The president of NAGRAT. He is Angel Kabonu, the National Association of Graduate Teachers. Mr. Kabonu, thanks for your time here on Newsnight. We just heard your colleagues say the appetite is ripe. Well, it's been a few hours since... The statement was issued. Has that appetite changed? Well, a meeting is in call for tomorrow at the TBC Hall to assess the letter that has been sent to us for a decision to be taken on the way forward. This meeting tomorrow, your own expectations of that, based on what you know, it will address the concerns you have? Well, the letter that I have read is talking about a suspension of the uh, tax. So when the letter was first written, we called a meeting. We perused the letter and took a decision to go on strike. A letter has come. We call for a total withdrawal of the letter. The letter that the government issued is talked about suspension. So we peruse the letter tomorrow, and definitely the media will be addressed as the way forward. And yesterday, the vice president also made some pronouncements on this. And of course, whilst he was speaking, we saw that the letter had come uh, asking the ECG and NETCO mm-hmm. to suspend. I mean, th- there's a willingness on government part at least to to listen yeah. to dialogue a bit more. Is it not? Is there not? Well, I think. The finance minister has been totally isolated from the reality surrounding us. Because if the flag bearer of his own political party is indicated that if the tax is on the books, 
and he happens to be elected, he will erase that tax. The flag bearer of the NDP, John Dramani Mahama, also indicated that if he is elected, he will cancel that tax. We are in February. We are 10 months away from election. Why will the finance minister want to implement something that is unpopular with Ghanaian, Ghanaian workers only for it to be scrapped in January by both the flag bearer of his own political party and the flag bearer of the opposition party? As we speak tonight, government says if you are ready to dialogue. Their interest is finding an alternative to plug that gap that will be left if they don't implement a 15% VAT on electricity. What alternatives are you ready to offer, Evini? Well, before, even before haircut, we made several suggestions to government to look at instead of implementing the haircut. One such suggestion we made to government is what Baumiaga said yesterday. We told government to cut down on the size of government. Government said it was not possible. And yet, yesterday, the flag bearer of their own party is saying that he will run government with 50 ministers. So look at the time that we made the suggestion to government from organized labor. So if today, the flag bearer of the new patriotic party sees the value in that suggestion. If that valuable suggestion had been implemented two or three years ago, where would we have been in a country in terms of saving resources? So that's number one. Number two, we ask that government reviews high polluting giveaway programs that it runs in this country on the altar of the of, sorry, on the altar of expediency you know so honestly speaking look last year there was a climate conference in uh, Dubai look at the number of people who went calculate the cost of light calculate the cost of hotel and possible per diem You know, so we've made several suggestions to government from the front. Look, I was a member of the, of the uh, economic and social dialogue representing union on one side, the minister of finance on the other side, employers on the other side, where we were dialoguing on the economy of this country. It has come to naught. And just give me clarity on this. A couple of weeks ago when this came up, the TUC, they were very clear that they will not even entertain dialogue. They just want to withdraw. Has that position changed or you're now willing to sit with government? Ivan, you have always been making this mistake. It is not TUC. It is organized labor. Organized labor. Are you willing to sit with government? Has that position changed? Or you still stand? No, on, no, on the issue of the VAT, we are now willing to sit on with government. Okay. And that's Angel Kabonuda. He is the president of the National Association of Graduate Teachers, NAGRAT. Whilst we wait uh, for that uh, meeting uh, tomorrow and the outcome, um, some unions are already proceeding with plans to hold that massive demonstration across all 16 regions with discussions ongoing with the police for protection. Patrick Tetebinyemi is chairperson of the Greater Accra Chapter of Organized Labor. Not only about workers, it's even about we and our families at home. Whatever you buy as electricity, you pay a 15% VAT on it. And this has repercussions on our artisans, our tradesmen, and it's going to affect all of our affiliates from the GPRTU across Greater Accra are not going to work. They are all going to join So way So way So way So let us make note that on 13th 
within the greater no commercial vehicle within Accra will work. The drivers, all of them are going to join the demonstration and we are going to register our displeasure that it is not about suspension, but it is about total withdrawal. Well, um, the Ghana Private Road Transport Union have also directed their members not to work. Next week, Tuesday, if government refuses to withdraw the VAT. Abasi Moro is PR of the union. We are part of them. TUC, the crowd, Abasi. The government and three and sign up to the end of on the 12th, on the 13th, we are all joining. We are with TUC on this demonstration. Government must withdraw this policy. Tell every driver in the country that we're not working. We also pay electricity bills. demonstration for emission tax that's Abasi Moro speaks for GPRTU. Thankfully, Evans and George do not pick Trotro, so uh, they will not be stranded. In fact, you've been told not to go to work that day as well. So you will see how it goes. You walk to work today? Mm. No, I didn't walk. You picked Trotro? By God's grace, no. You picked Trotro? No, I didn't. You picked a taxi? No, I didn't. Uba? No. No. Okay. I drove okay. to work. In an so SUV? In an SUV. Yeah. Is it an SUV? Yes, it Absolutely. is. Absolutely. Okay. The red SUV. Yeah. Since they know my car more than I do. That's yeah. fine. What's With the number plate 2024. That's True. a lie. Okay. <laughs> so, Ivan, since we started producing oil in commercial quantities, we have saved $1.2 billion. And that's what we have set aside. I'll be getting you more details on that one. And a strong dollar demand from energy and manufacturing centers continue to exert pressure on the Ghana city. The Business News on Newsnight is brought to you by MTN Business. Welcome to the new world of business. Kingdom Books and Stationers, Interstanks and Pepsodent, Charcoal and Herbal. Welcome back to Business on Newsnight. Now, Ghana has saved a little over $1.2 billion from what it earned since it started producing and exporting crude oil in commercial quantities from 2011. Now, this is coming from the review of the Petroleum Holding Funds report over the last two years. There is more in this report. These are earnings that Ghana got from exports of its share from crude oil over the years, as well as taxes and levies paid by other companies working in the country's oil sector. But based on Ghana's petroleum loss, Ghana is required to put some of the money aside in the Ghana Stabilization Fund and the Ghana Heritage Fund. The Stabilization Fund will ensure that government can draw down on these funds when the revenue are not doing well in a particular financial year. However, the Heritage Fund keeps some of the money for future generations. The Stabilization Fund ending December had about $190 million in it. The Ghana Heritage Fund had more than $1 billion. The total amount of $1.2 billion that Ghana has gotten since it started oil production has been lodged in Federal Reserve of the Bank of New York. The country's petroleum laws limit the areas that the monies can be invested. This has led to limited investment returns on these funds. This has led to some pushing for a review of the laws to help improve the amount of money that the country can save from oil-related activities in the country. And that is a business tax report. Now, a senior tax partner with accounting firm Deloitte George and Kuma has described the suspension of the VAT on domestic consumption as a prudent move. The finance ministry in a statement has announced suspension of the tax pending further engagement with organized labor. But George and Kuma said the timing of this tax is not good looking at the current challenges facing the economy. We implement it at this time of our economy. I think that will not be the best time to do that. Um, we have been talking about 15%, uh, but the reality is that once we are talking of implementing VAT on the usage of electricity, it's going to go um, together with the levy. So we are talking of 6% levy, which will be charged 
on the utility bill or electricity bill, and then the 15 percent is charged on it. So putting that together, the increase is actually just 21.9 percent, and not just 15 percent. So that's one thing that we should uh, aware of. A senior tax partner at accounting firm Deloitte George Ankuma, who is saying that you actually end up paying even 21.9% VAT on electricity when this law or tax is actually enforced. Now, strong demand for dollars from firms operating the manufacturing and energy sectors continue to put some pressure on the Ghana CD. Now, this is what we have picked up from some currency traders in the commercial banks. There is more in this report. The current pressure on the Ghana CD was worsened earlier this week due to what some market players are describing as the limited dollar supply on the market. This development was compounded by a surge in demand for dollars by businesses, especially in the manufacturing and energy sectors. Checks by Joy Business shows that the Bank of Ghana has stepped up support, releasing some dollars to meet the demand over the last few days. However, some of these businesses are arguing that this is still not enough to meet their demand. On the contrary, the Bank of Ghana insists that it needs to be strategic, especially in these times. The Bank of Ghana's international reserves crossed the $6 billion mark last month. This indicates that the bank is in a strong position to support the local currency. But some have argued that they have not seen enough support from the Bank of Ghana in terms of dollar supply. And that is a business tax report. Now let's still stay within the banking space or the Bank of Ghana because Bank of Ghana's new macroeconomic database portal is already reviewing or receiving some positive response from its stakeholders. Now this includes the country's donors and some persons within the academia from the donors. They believe that it will go along to bring about some transparency when it comes to the Bank of Ghana's programs and monetary measures. Professor Peter Court is one of those persons in the academia that has been speaking about this platform with Joy Business. Getting real-time data is very difficult. So with this portal that the Bank of Ghana has launched, it's going to help us as academics, as analysts, as policymakers, to be able to assess real-time data, to be able to undertake analysis that will inform policy. So for me, it's one of the greatest things we've done to our country. And I believe other institutions, Ministry of Finance, should also take a lead in, in this and, and provide a similar portal. I also think that it will promote transparency. We are able to have same data, unified data, instead of uh, sometimes data sets that we are not able to compare different time uh, series with start times, with different um, deflators and GDP deflators and, and many others, which sometimes difficult to harmonize. So, Escuchas ese rugido. Sientes la experiencia de poder, la emoción de la libertad. Ya estás preparado para vivir tu nueva aventura. Nueva Ram 1500, hecha para vivir. Ram es una marca registrada de FCA US LLC. I think this portal comes in handy for researchers, for academics, for policymakers, for even practitioners, and, and for the citizens, as well as for the private sector businessman who would want to speak about inflation, would want to project his budget flows. Professor Peter Corte is an economist and the director of the Institute of Statistical, Social and Economic Research. Now, President of the Center for Global Development, Mashoud Ahmed, has expressed concerns about the impact of high-interest loans on economies in Africa, like that that was coming from the IMF and the World Bank. According to him, the terms of most of these agreements makes it difficult for these low-income countries to repay them by rather pushing them into high debt distress. The buildup of debt as a share of GDP is doubled, I think, and, and the terms on which that debt was taken on there are countries that were borrowing before COVID at eight, nine percent. And you know, if you're borrowing at eight or nine percent commercial markets, it's going to be hard to be able to generate projects that are going to pay that off. So yeah, frankly, we need to take a little bit of the uh, responsibility on the international community side as well, because we were not raising the alarm on those things quite as much at the time as, as we do now.
and Mashoud Ahmed is the president of the Center for Global uh, Development, sharing his thought there. I mean, for tonight, we're focusing on industry, on PM Express Business Edition, and how are they doing in these times? You know, they talk about industry struggling, manufacturing firms struggling, but going forward, how are they responding to the recovery of the economy? We'll be engaging the president Association of Ghana Industries, Dr. Humphrey Yimdake, mm-hmm. tonight as we talk about industry, the state of industry now as we speak and what can be done to turn around their fortunes is at 9 p.m on joy news and And all all our social media media platforms as we talk about industry and the economy today can't wait for that. It's at 9 p.m. Thank you very much, George. Now, let me take you to the Ashanti region and seven golden artifacts looted from Kumasi in 1874 found their way to the Fowler Museum in California, United States. And Otun Fosse to the second secured the artifacts after several failed attempts by his predecessors, including Otun Fosse Ajiman Prempe II, Professor Kwesi of the Department of Music at the Tufts University at Massachusetts, United States, facilitated the return of the artifacts. He tells Joy News in an exclusive interview that the Asantehine is happy about the return of these artifacts made of pure gold. When we came here, uh, Otufo, His Majesty, and I'll quote him like this, He's, he said that he has been able to return our soul back to you know, its original place. Why did he say that? And of course, uh, we have to recognize uh, Opimsor, City to Abebu, for his efforts in this. Because he, uh, he, he was the one who empowered me, he, who, who empowered me to facilitate. I didn't just do it on my own. But because he has also initiated this whole process of trying to get these materials back. So the items, are still items that are, you know, have spiritual relevance to us. They still have that relevance to us. They are still active. They will be activated and they'll be used. The Asipim uh, chair will be used. The, the Sikamina will be used. The necklaces, the amber, all of them have this same spiritual uh, significance for us. For us, they are not just regular arts, you see. And look at the way, if they don't have the spiritual essence, how would they be taken away and move from one place to another place, but in 150 years, they, it will come back to its original source. That is what we, we, we have to know, that the, the, the power in this is not just a, a regular arts. It is something deeper than that. Let's bring in my colleague, Oheming Teria. He's been covering uh, this outdooring ceremony uh, for us, and he joins us on the line. Uh, so, Oheming, um, do we know what these artifacts are exactly? Yes, sir. MFR, uh, seven artifacts were brought to the palace under the exclusive uh, world of military and men uh, to the Asantehini. Out of the seven, we are told six of them are made of pure gold. And the other one, a sipping chair uh, or stool, which was used by the late uh, Asantehine Kofi Kakari in the 1844 era, uh, was also brought uh, to the palace. And the Asantehine also said efforts are underway uh, to repatriate 32 of these artifacts kept at the British Museum. These seven that have been returned so far, do we know when, where they will be kept in particular? Yes, uh, according to sources at the Malaysia Palace, uh, it will be kept at the Malaysia Museum where the general public will be allowed to access uh, these artifacts. And beyond this, the museum will also have to undergo rehabilitation uh, as explained by uh, one of the technical advisors to the return of the artifacts. No, the abode will be the Malaysia Palace Museum, uh, definitely. So the museum will undergo some adjustments. Some installations will have to take place. The security will be beefed up. And uh, there will be other things that will be done before these uh, objects are finally taken to the museum. That should be around April. It's a public museum, window private. So it will be open to the public. And these are new acquisitions. 
and so the public will will see them and uh, will be able to appreciate them let's talk about uh, the cultural importance of these uh, artifacts yes if you take the Pomponcio sword for instance this was the sword that Anasantini will use uh, during his coronation, if I may say so, or swearing of oath to Asantiman as it used to be. And it was the same sword that uh, was used by the paramount chiefs or their uh, uh, senior chiefs uh, pledging their allegiance to him. This was created during the time of Fosei Tutu. That was uh, before even Asante uh, got into what it, it was. And uh, it was taken away. 1874 and the one that is in use now was created after 1900 so the original Pomponcio had been with the British Museum all these years of course there are the spiritual undertakings of, of these objects and uh, for something that was created specifically for a purpose and by no other person than Konfuanochi uh, that means a lot to the people of Asante so it coming back among the objects from the British Museum is important for us to even compare, if for nothing, to compare what was there and what it is today. So that's uh, Professor. I'm going to be visiting. I, I will. I will. Yeah. I really want Probably to. Probably want to bring it. the kids along as well. Yes, definitely. We'll go to Kumasi shortly. Mm -hmm. Let's stay there. Actually, let's stay in Kumasi because the uh, former president Mahama has been there and he's been meeting with farmers as part of the uh, party's plans to put together a manifesto for this year. He presented a number of plans with members. Uh, of the General Agricultural Workers Union and he was clear that under his watch there will be a new legislation will be introduced to deal with persons who fell cash crops, trees for the purposes of illegal mining or galamse. As we've said, we always come out with a people's manifesto because we don't sit with professors and you know intellectuals in a room and write a manifesto for people. We interact with them to find out what the real challenges are and then we incorporate that into our manifesto. We will review the imposition of taxes on agricultural commodities. We will reintroduce the provision of free agro-inputs like fertilizers, insecticides, fungicides, etc. to cocoa farmers. We will ensure transparency in distribution of inputs through farmers' cooperatives. Under the 24-hour economy framework, we will support local companies in formulating and producing fertilizer locally to create more jobs. We started the work on a pension scheme for farmers and we will ensure its full implementation. As former President John Dramani Mahama, time for sports and the Eagles are soaring high and higher. But what are we talking about tonight? Well, tonight we are talking about the search for the new Black Stars coach. And guess what? Mm. Some over 500 applicants have now... Um, you know, yeah, five over 500 applicants. That's according to the GFA Vice President, Mark Ado. Is that, um, name there? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so he's got some coaching credentials because they're looking for somebody who's coached for five over 15 page. years. So... I'm uh, not sure Ivan even started six months. I've been coaching Manchester United from become part of my couch <laughs> since 1999. That, that would be enough. That would be enough. But the position, of course, became vacant after the JFS sacked uh, Chris Sutton. And uh, well, uh, Mark Ado was speaking on Akum FM uh, based in the Shanti region where he assured Ghanaians that the best coach will be appointed, stating that the JFA is committed to selecting a coach who meets the required criteria. Meanwhile, the president of the association, Keta Kreku, has also assured that the association will commit the new coach to a long-term contract. I know all of us love our Black Stars. And our Black Stars players do love all of us. And all of us are committed towards fixing the problems with the Black Stars. Indeed, that journey has already started with a search for a new trainer for our Black Stars. When we find the new trainer, it is our collective decision and determination to stay for a long haul with a new set of trainers for our Black Stars and for all our national teams. Uh, that's uh, Kets Okrik who's speaking there. Well, the vice president, of course, touched on a number of issues yesterday and he did touch on sports development where we view that he will introduce a sports fund that he will use to develop the sports in the country. He's also been speaking about the partnership he's hoping to create with the private sector who will invest in the game. And we cannot maximize the full potential 
of Ghana sports with the same funding model we have operated since independence. My government will therefore prioritize the creation of incentives for corporate sponsorship as a sustainable module of financing sports development and promotion of our national teams, including football, athletics, boxing at all levels. This will take the financial pressure of government and also enable government to redirect more support to other sports disciplines. Dr. Mahun Baumia there. Well, events, it's going to be Nigeria versus Ivory Coast in the final come Sunday. Nigeria have won the Amapiano contests against South Africa. Now, right now, Ghana is getting a lot of shade. So, not sure where you stand, Ivory Coast or Nigeria. Where do you stand? Mm, that's a good one. I, I, I think I'll back the Nigerians. Oh, okay. 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 Yeah. That's, that's, I know. I, I, people that's are looking at me and wondering why, but I'll back the Nigerians. Yeah, very surprised. I, I just love the way they play. Mm -hmm. um, I, for me, it's just purely down. To the game I appreciate okay. and I watched them this this mm. whole tournament they, I've, I've loved their play well you should visit social media and see, and see how they've been treating Ghanians after making it to the finals you might have a change of heart ah, okay yeah well yeah Let's talk about the quality of our air. In the coming months, schools in Osu are in for a positive transformation aimed at reducing air pollution in their surroundings and creating safer spaces for children. City engineers currently undergoing innovative training to rethink and reshape road construction methods are the forefront of this initiative. The ultimate goal is to strategically redesign these roads, minimizing exposure to harmful air pollutants and fostering environments that allow children and neighborhoods to thrive in safety and well-being. Beat reporter Michael Ashali has more in this report. Air pollution is the second biggest threat to health in Ghana. Exhaust fumes from the transport sector alone is responsible for almost half of Accra's particulate concentrations. The city of Accra is one of the most heavily polluted places in the country. The WHO estimates that more than 28,000 Ghanaians die prematurely every year as a result of air pollution. Children in urban schools often endure the adverse effects of vehicle fumes. Headmaster of Osu Salem School, Yimano Taki, knows this very well. The school, because it's not walled, you always find children crossing to get food and all those things. So one, the safety of the children are a priority as an educator. So the school is very close to the road and sometimes or usually you find cars parking in the school and around the school area. For stakeholders, their interest is to move from pollution to solution. Let's look at these um, six strategies and see which one that we can implement here. City engineers and technocrats pulled from some of the municipal assemblies in the streets of Accra as members of a workshop organized by Clean Air Fund and Global Designing Cities Initiative. The goal is to assist engineers in discovering innovative approaches to prioritize pedestrian mobility and eliminate pollution within communities. In some countries, vehicle lanes have been repurposed to bicycle lanes. Vehicles in other countries are banned from using certain roads at certain times. In Ghana, two schools from Osu will benefit from the initiative. Sponsors of the initiative, Clean Air Fund, believes the project will allow children to play safely in their schools and neighborhoods. Victoria Osu Teria is an analyst with Clean Air Fund. Well, on this project, we are looking at designing or redesigning streets into child's play um, within the Kole Klote municipality. Um, in the course of that, we'll be measuring um, air quality uh, concentration levels. So that will be done pre um, before the start of the project, the designing itself, during the designing, and then post the designing. So we'll be able to identify pollution hotspots levels. Program manager of GDCI, Hayreton, explain how this will be done. Do is uh, start with a pilot project, select one school and see if we can create a safe uh, space for kids to play, uh, removed from air pollution, and then showing the results so that we can implement these kind of projects in different parts of the municipality as well. 
So how soon can we see any of those projects come to life? In the next month, we'll be doing some design uh, projects. So we'll be sharing that with the community as well. However, Harriton is expecting some challenges along the way. There are areas in the in the neighborhood where there is no sidewalk space and people are forced to walk on 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 the roadbed. We think this will this creates a road safety risk in addition to air quality issues. So I think there will be some challenges with reallocating that space, how we can take that space and use it for other uses. Municipal Chief Executive of Kole Klote Municipality, Samuel Ni Ajay Teria, pledged to support the initiative to its conclusion. We can't remove lanes at this stage. At least the parking of the, ve uh, the vehicles next to the school is something that we all have to come together and engage the, uh, the, the restaurant and the nearby offices that is not acceptable. The alternative will be maybe you take a Uber and drop and then go in or use public transport uh, or any other public transport. That will be the alternative for now. Maybe in the near future, they hope that these areas can be filled with more people than vehicles that pollute all day. Well, all the best to them. For Joy News, Michael Ashale. This story was a collaboration with New Narratives. Funding was provided by the Clean Air Fund. The founder had no say in the content of the story. And that's our show for tonight. And there's more when you log on to myjoeonline.com. We have Ghana Connect tomorrow. We don't have news tonight. You want to stay for that? We have... Personality profile coming up next. What do we have? Sewa Bonsu, first female CEO mm -hmm. of the Ghana National Chamber of Pharmacy. Women on top. Let's go. Indeed. Escuchas ese rugido? Sientes la experiencia de poder? La emoción de la libertad? Ya estás preparado para vivir tu nueva aventura. Nueva Ram 1500, hecha para vivir. Ram es una marca registrada de FCA US LLC.